For those of you who have lost money, like millions overnight. For those of you who are or have been in personal debt. For those of you who have been at rock bottom, ready to give up. Get ready because it's gonna get a whole lot worse. And that's a great thing. This is Below Zero to Hero, a brain dump by The Fail Coach, helping entrepreneurs develop a healthy relationship with failure. Look, failure can't be feared. It's the number one killer of creativity, ideas, dreams, and even entrepreneurs themselves. And it's thought will never get in your way again. With the right mindset, failure can be step one into a new journey of being a better leader, having better balance, better relationships, and most importantly, success. So bring it on. This is Below Zero to Hero with The Fail Coach. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Brain Dump by The Fail Coach. We have another very interesting interview today. Um, I have Josh with me here uh, for the episode. And uh, Josh, welcome to the show. And uh, can you please uh, quickly introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. Um, my name is Josh Anderson. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, I run a real estate company, a residential real estate company here in Nashville. Okay. Um, so how how did you become an entrepreneur? Let, let's start there. Yeah, so you know, I graduated uh, college and I, uh, with a degree in international trade and finance. So it was basically finance and economics and uh, worked at a uh, investment bank and then a private client asset firm and um, was getting my real estate license in the meantime and I just you know I, I wasn't learning and growing in my first uh, job out of college I, I wouldn't be in I just didn't feel like I was being challenged or mentored and so I, I eventually got my real estate license and wanted to buy some investment properties and ultimately um, quit my previous career and uh, just kind of went all in on real estate. And that was 14 years ago. Oh, wow. So you've been in business for the past 14 years. So yeah. you actually experienced the 2008, nine uh, recession yeah. and crisis. Yeah. Uh, how, how, I mean, and you were in real estate. How, how was that? You know, it's interesting looking back on it. I, it's kind of mind blowing. My business actually grew so I got in the business in 2006 and then probably the top of the market here in, in the States was like September of 2007 was the, like probably the tip top. And um, my business grew in 2007, 2008, 2009, 10, 11, 12, all the way through. And it's continued to grow. I think I just had my head down and I was probably a little bit ignorant to what was going on. Cause I didn't know I'd never seen a recession before. I'd never seen an economic shift. And um, so there were lots of fails, lots of, you know, mess along the way and trying to get up and learn from each one of them. Okay. Um, would you, like, were you always in, in the more luxury real estate in, uh, market? No. So, I mean, you know, our, our average price point is probably in the 550 to $600,000 now. Um, but, it, you know, 14 years ago, my average price point, like when I got in the business was probably $175,000. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. So it's grown over time because of how partly um, our, our clientele has moved up and they've had kids and they've bought bigger houses and things like that. But also so many people travel to Nashville and so many, so many people have moved here that 
you know, the values have just gone up over the last five years pretty dramatically. Okay. And um, I mean, you know, we are in the middle of this new financial crisis, new pandemic and, and, and all of that. So what's your view on, you know, um, running a business? Uh, what do you do to, you know, prepare, to plan, to pivot, to, you know, just um, sure. be the entrepreneur during very turbulent times? So, so mine has been really simple. Um, you know, I think everybody, nobody really knows what's going on or what's happening. The mortgage market is changing dramatically. We're still really busy. Um, you know, the biggest piece is, I think there's a lot of uh, people that, are in fear mode. And I think it's staying at home and not having a, a schedule is really kind of affecting their mindset. And so I think, I think it all starts with mindset uh, for me. But you know, to answer your question, a lot of what I'm doing is the exact same as what I was doing a month ago, or six weeks ago. And, um, you know, it's, it's just, I'm coming into the office every day. You know, granted, I own my own office building. So I'm still kind of quarantined. Um, I'm just, I'm still making phone calls to all of our clients and just checking in on them. You know, a lot of them have lost their jobs or been, you know, pulled back hours wise or, or from a salary perspective. And so I'm calling and checking in on people um, and really just kind of loving on our database of, of, you know, current and past clients and checking in on people on Facebook and things, you know, just, just making the connections, contacts. Interesting. Very interesting. We're doing a lot of, um, you know, our business, we do a lot of, we do four to six client events a year. Um, we obviously can't do client events right now. So we've been kind of shifting that to doing, um, you know, we did a Zoom uh, bingo night. We're doing a trivia Zoom call with clients and people on Facebook. We're just going to go live on Facebook. Um, we're doing giveaways for local businesses that can still operate. So like gift cards to a local pizza joint or, you know, coffee shop that can still do, you know, they can still do curbside pickup type things. So we're, we're, no, still, no. we're still connecting with our clients. Josh, it's interesting because one of the things that I'm teaching right now for the past few months, um, uh, I actually have like a dedicated Facebook group just for this thing is leveraging trust. Uh, and that's exactly what you're doing. You're going to where you already have trust with your past clients, acquaintances, people who were in your network and so on. And, and you're nurturing that trust. And uh, whenever I'm asked, when I, when I am being interviewed, I'm often asked, you know, like, what's the one thing that, you know, every entrepreneur should be doing right now? And it's exactly what you're doing, reaching out, talking to your audience, if you have an audience that likes and trusts you, um, if you listen to them, maybe their priorities will change. Maybe they, they, what they're buying will change, but we are always buying something. And if you have that pristine contact, you can always respond to your audience's need. And because they trust you and like you, they are much more likely to buy from you. Well, and I think, and I think a lot of, of customers and clients just want to, you know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners and realtors, for example, just don't know what to call and say. And it's like, 
there, there is no script. We're in this weird pandemic. It's, it's affecting everybody. We're all in it together. The script is picking up the phone and saying, Hey John, how's it going? That's it. Like it's yeah. just, people want to know that you care. And even if you don't really care, you're going to like act like you care. I mean, you, you got to pick up the phone and love on your people. I, I think, I think it can easily be uh, sensed uh, if you're not sincere. In, sure. in, in that attempt so it, it does help to just be a human being show some empathy and just reconnect without any agenda just be a decent human being and and here's the thing i you know, i have not i have not called a single client and talked about real estate as the conversation every one of them has been hey how are you doing chad or how are you doing you know whoever it is and we talk about, hey, are you doing okay? Do you, you know, I saw that, you know, your wife got cut back on hours. Like, are you guys going to be okay? And you know what automatically comes up? Business. Well, how's the real estate market? How are you doing? I mean, that's what, that's what the response is. They go, hey, man, I, is everything okay in your world? So the business piece of it's going to automatically happen. You don't have to bring it up. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely agree. I mean, if you showed that decency and, and the humane side, uh, people will want to respond back and, and uh, you know, they will ask by themselves. You don't have to ask. They know what business you're in. It is an interesting thing. There's a lot in the media about different informations regarding real estate. They will want to know anyway. And, and, and so giving them the opportunity for them to ask is, I think, uh, a very big key here in, in leveraging the trust in a proper way. So uh, kudos on that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, um, so Josh, um, you know, uh, when we were planning this, this conversation, um, I don't think it was Corona times uh, back oh, no. then. No. no. Uh, so we were talking about, you know, like we can talk about luxury and investing and, and Nashville market and so on. And I mean, so much has changed in just a few weeks time. Uh, but Josh, so let, let me give you an idea of the audience. So the audience of this podcast is people who are fairly new or in, in fairly early stages of their entrepreneurship journey. So uh, what do you think, you know, from, from uh, your real estate experience, from your entrepreneurial experience from the past 14 years and so on, what, what are what would be the best topic to talk about and give value to the audience? Here, here's, what I, here's what I think as far as across all businesses. I think that people try to get really, uh, a lot of times they try to get really creative with their business and they try to do something so different that they get away from the basics and the fundamentals. And I think at the end of the day, the basics and the fundamentals are pretty much the same for the foundation of every good business. And I think that, um, you know, it's, it's like identifying who your clients are. It's knowing how to talk to people and ask the right questions. Um, it's having the right mindset. It's knowing your numbers uh, in your business as far as like, what does it cost to acquire a client? And what does it cost for this product or that? I mean, I think everybody just tries to get really creative and, and, and that stuff's boring, but boring, is okay because you know it's kind of a superpower if you can if you can be okay with like redundant business day in and day out 
you can always add creative in the future. Um, but I guess to answer your question, that was like a long winded version of just getting back to the basics and the fundamentals of what it takes to run a business and to continue it long term. Okay. Well, would you mind walking us through what you think is, uh, I mean, you already mentioned a few of the foundations, but, or maybe, you know, even how you go about laying down those foundations, how you keep them in place. Yeah, so I mean, when I first got in the business, I started realizing that were there were things in real estate and just in business in general that I continued to do over and over. And so for me, I, I hated the idea of like retyping the same emails, you know, so I created systems and processes around everything. So like, literally, I'm kind of the guy that if I have to do it more than once, I feel like there should be a system or a checklist or some kind of process around it. And so I went and I would seek out other local business owners on like what they did and how they did. I didn't want to really reinvent the wheel for me. I wanted to like find somebody that has already done it and been successful doing it and then copy that. And then like, not, not really like this sounds bad, but like rip off and duplicate, but like make it my own um, and one up that, that version of it. Cause really when you look at all these things in business, it's, the basic fundamentals to build, you know, whether it's, you know, Bill Gates and Microsoft or it's Tesla or Google, like the foundation pieces of it are all the same in these businesses. They've just built really big businesses because yes, they've done it at a, at a big level and they've done it time, you know, they, they've done it over time. So uh, time on the task over time. So like they've kind of, and, and they, you know, the other piece, the correlation with all those people they're willing to fail more than most people. Like they are willing to fail over and over and over and over because they believe they've got a passion and they believe in what they do. And mo most super successful, you know, billionaires and people that are famous, they failed a lot. The best, you know, Michael Jordan just released, they just released the last dance on ESPN. That dude failed a lot and he's the greatest basketball player of all time. And he went in and put in more work than anybody else. I absolutely agree with you on that. As the fail coach, I, I undersign all of what you just said. <laughs> Good. Um, um, can, can you perhaps, you know, give us, I don't know, a, a few simple examples, you know, of, of how your processes look like, or just maybe walk us through, because, you know, often we talk about systems and processes, but then people who are fairly new, they can't translate that into, well, how can I do that in my business? And often sharing examples is the easiest way for us to understand and then say, oh, um, he did this for that, so I can do something similar for this task that I'm doing. Yeah, I mean, as simple as a couple of things. You can go buy a GoPro and literally put it on and like do a system, do like, if you wanted to document yourself, you could literally have a GoPro on and create systems with video around what you were doing on your computer. This is how I go in and do this. Or other example would be like early on when I was telling you earlier, I, I said, if I had to do it more than once, I wanted to create a system around it. One of those things was like typing out the same email every time I worked with a client. So if I work with a hundred clients a year, I'm typing that email out a hundred times. Why not just create 
a, a signature in my Gmail that's that it's that particular that's the whole email it's my signature and then you just plug and play you know maybe the date or the address or the person's name so it's the same every single time um, you know we do we do client events we have a checklist for what does that look like leading up to the event how often do we post on social media are we sending out a postcard for it if so what date how many people get that um, it's literally a checklist for you know i've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of transactions as far as like buying or selling real estate with clients we still have a checklist just to make sure when we get busy that we don't miss anything so it's like it's dumbed down i always say i tell my administrative team like it's got to be dumbed down where a 12 year old can understand it so whatever that looks like i need to be able to plug in a new employee that doesn't really understand real estate that can follow a checklist that's how I, basic it has to be i absolutely agree because the, the the more stupidly simple the system is the biggest freedom you as the business owner uh, have because um you you have more freedom of who you can hire because you because you can go for more junior people you have more freedom if that relationship doesn't work out you're not a hostage of that person uh, you can quickly change them, find a new person. You can onboard them quickly. You have internal knowledge base that they that so that you don't have to train each and every one of them. Um, tell me one thing. So processes are are, are a good foundation. Uh, uh, what I teach to my clients is we always start with processes, but then what we are looking for is what and how can we measure inside those processes. What are some key performance indicators that we can create from those numbers that tell us a bigger story or a faster story? And then how can we find some benchmarks, whether that's compared to competition, industry averages, past results, future goals, something, how we can benchmark to get the full story and, and to really understand whether our processes are doing well or if there is a lot of place for improvement um and and so on uh, do you have any of those in place as well i do so um and i'm going to use this in terms of business but specifically real estate so for us like our admin team does you know kind of the contract to close for example so they're doing all the paperwork behind the scenes once a property goes from offer stage to being under contract so like one of their metrics that's verifiable is did we get a google review or did we get a zillow review or did we get some type of review from the client and was it a five-star review like i can go on google and look to see whether we got a review or not so that's like a verifiable metric that i can look at like because you can't i mean you can't really say well was the client really happy like i call every one of our clients after closing check in how was how was it? Could we do anything better? So I get, but that's not really, sometimes that's not really real feedback. It's really real feedback when you get a Google review or with my agents, we'll, we'll, I can't determine how long, you know, they picked up the phone and made phone calls for that day or that week. I can't really verify how many contacts they can say, well, I made 20 contacts today. I can't really verify that, but I can verify how many properties you know, they put under contract or how many buyer rep agreements they got signed. So
So like there are yeah. certain pieces that I can verify because I actually have documentation that they did it or I can verify whether they got a Google review and a client was happy. Yeah. And I mean, you, you, you have some average baseline and you know that per employee, we should have an, on average this number per week. And then you can quickly see if somebody's underperforming and, and, uh, or maybe slacking off. So, okay, cool, cool. I really love that. Um, I love how you have the whole system set up. So you must have a, a lot of freedom. I, I can take, you know, I, I work a lot. Um, but I can take vacations when I want to take them. But I've earned that right because I've put in 100-hour weeks for years. Um, and not, not now, but in the first part of my career, I worked 100-plus hours for probably the first five years I was in the business. So, like, I was a slave to the business for a long time to be able to do what I'm doing now, which is growing the business. And I'm still in the business, so I'm in production. Um, but I work on the business and in the business and okay. so i do have i do have freedom but i think a lot of people get into business or get into real estate and they love the idea of being an entrepreneur i wouldn't trade it for anything in the world but it's the, it, it's a grind there's lots of sleepless nights where you wake up and go where's the next paycheck how am i going to pay for the office building how am i going to pay my salary for my employees i mean it's a it's a big job to take on not you know i mean other people I know. want you to be successful I know. I, I remember when I had a lot of employees and, and um, in, in, in Europe, usually the paycheck is on the 15th on, in the month. We have monthly payments yeah. and a few days before the 15th, oh boy, the sleepless nights and, and uh, uh, yeah, it, it, every month was, was a different challenge. So, um, but Josh, um, tell me a bit more, uh, because, you know, <clears throat> the way I teach my students and the information that I want to give to the listeners to this podcast is not how to become a solopreneur, doing and learning everything by yourself. It's exactly what, you know, you are doing, um, being on the business, um, having a team, delegating, creating a system. Um, those are the things that you know, uh, will lead to more and more and more and more freedom and sure. your business will become more and more passive. And then of course, if you like doing something like, for example, I love creating content. So, so in our company, I'm the content creator. I'm not the CEO. I'm not the boss. I am, I am the uh, owner and I'm the content creator. And that's one thing that I love and my team does everything else. Um, so that doesn't yeah. mean you have to completely exit your business, but it's a whole different thing when you choose what you love doing and when you actually have to do things because you don't have anybody else to do those things. Yeah. You've just got to build around yourself. I mean, for example, I, I do not love paperwork and, and the paperwork piece is a big part of our business because we've got to be in compliance and it's got to be done. It's got to be done correctly. But I just hired people around me that were way better than me and that, there's people that actually love paperwork. They love the organization. They love the detail. It's just not me. And so I went and hired people that love doing that. My director of operations loves systems and processes. And like, that's what, that's her thing. So like I found somebody that loves my director of marketing, loves Instagram and YouTube and 
Facebook and posting all the pretty pictures and creating leads and buyers and, you know, ultimately we're getting business out of it. So I go do the videos, but she does all the stuff behind the scenes, you know, yes, yes. doing all the work. So, you know, go find, go find in your business what you love to do and go hire everybody else to do all the things that you either suck at or that you don't like, because if it doesn't give you energy 10 years from now, you're going to hate your life and you're going to hate your job and you're going to hate your business because you didn't hire right. And you didn't, you can't, entrepreneurs think nobody can do it better than they can, which is complete crap. I mean, it's, I absolutely agree. And most of my one-on-one -on -one clients are exactly what you described right now. Um, they, they, most, they, most of the reason they, they start is because they're really good at some craft or like a restaurant, you know, the guy loves to make a certain kind of food and he's really great at it, but he sucks at business. He doesn't know how to market himself. He doesn't know any of his numbers. So he's not actually any money and he's not charging enough or whatever it is. And they're not, but they can't really take the time off to go hire. Right. And then if they hire, right, you know, somebody is a good chef doesn't make them where they're going to be a successful restaurant owner. They're typically a good chef, but they're not necessarily good at marketing. They're not necessarily good at knowing their numbers and what they need to charge, or they don't know how to run the business. They don't understand a PL statement. They don't understand like they're really good at cooking food or creating some type of dish, but they're not good at all the other things that make a business successful. They're just good at the one thing. So uh, they need to, hire around themselves to make them better at all the other stuff. I know. I know. They, I mean, usually we entrepreneurs, we are either passionate or good about something. And then we right. start our business around that. And as that idea grows, uh, we, we then uh, start taking on uh, and wearing all these different hats like C, uh, CEO, CFO, CMO, and so on. And what happens a lot of the times is that um, all of those things we are not good at, they suck the time, the energy and, and, and the will to live from us, uh, which on, in, in the result is that we then don't perform as good as we would normally in the things why we started the business in the first place. Um, and, and, and that's why often, you know, we then, then they hit plateau. And uh, if they're not careful, that plateau goes into declining because they're just emotionally burnt out, physically burnt out. Uh, they don't have the energy. Uh, they start hating what they used to love. Well, they end up being a slave to their business and they can't yes. figure out how to get out of it. And then they look up one day and go, I'm losing money and I'm not happy. And I hate this business and they ultimately end up going back to work for someone else. And they end up hating that too, because they feel like they could do it. But they, I just think most people don't realize how difficult business is. And you're wearing a lot of hats until you hire the right person for each one of those seats. Yes, absolutely. I agree. Well, Josh, would you mind, you know, telling from just from your own perspective as a fellow entrepreneur, as you know, somebody who already achieved uh, some part of what people who are just entering the entrepreneurial journey want to, they want to be where you are right now. Um, what does it mean for you when you say, 
Um, I, I work on the business. What are some of the things that you do as part of on the business, running the business? Yeah, so working on the business versus in the business to me is, you know, there's, I work in the business during the week um, and when I need to, but every, every business owner should take a day or two or, or a couple of afternoons and work on the business from the perspective of like, are you doing what you need to do to move the business forward? Like every day or every week, let's say you want to grow 50% a year. Are you doing on a weekly basis? There's 52 weeks in a year. So that's 52%. Are you moving the business forward one degree per week? And, and what are the metrics that you need to make that happen? Is it the marketing? Is it certain connections? Is it certain accounts? Is it certain, you know, what, what are you doing on a weekly basis to look up at the end of the, you know, end of the business day on Friday and go, God, I won the week this week. I got a first down or whatever terms, sports, whatever you want to do. How did you win the week? And what does that win look like? What, what do you have to do on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday morning to put your head down on Friday night and go, I moved the business forward. That was, that was a successful week. Josh, um, I'm just wondering, uh, do you practice some sort of morning routine? Um, I do. I, you know, I don't have like my formal affirmations. Um, I typically listen to a podcast every morning or a blink. Um, my Blinkist app is what I usually, you know, grab a, a digested version, maybe a 20 minute book and hit the, hit the key points on it. Um, I wake up at 4.42 every morning. I work out at 5 a.m. and um, hang out with the kids and then go to the office. And so I'm at the office usually by 7 a.m., uh, maybe 7.30. And I start my phone calls in my day at 8.30 um, at eight o'clock, we do an all hands on deck Zoom call for the entire team. Something I'd been wanting to implement for, it's kind of a morning huddle for 15 minutes, just to make sure everybody's on the call. What do you have going on today? What do you need? How can we help you be more successful? Um, getting their mind right. You know, just starting the day off with positivity and high energy. How did you choose 442? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's very random. So 442, <coughs> Happened before we had phones that could easily put, you know, the old school like nightstand clocks, I would push the number down and it would get stuck. And I was trying to hit 440 or 445. And after going through like two or three 24 hour cycles, it landed on 442 and it's been that way for literally. <laughs> and it's funny because I never <coughs> meant to be weird, but like now everybody knows because I tell people, they're like, what time do you wake up? And it's 4.42. So people are like, what? Why 4.42? So it's almost become a conversation piece with the people that know me. <laughs> okay, I can understand that. Um, what about, like, okay, so you said, okay, on a Friday afternoon, you know, I, I kind of do like a recap, you know, was I successful in the past week? But um, how do you plan those weekly sprints? Do you have like a routine on i don't know over the weekend or monday morning when you really ask yourself you know what do i want to accomplish this week what do i need to do on monday tuesday wednesday or do you do that day by day um, how do you plan so that you have something to look at on friday evening yeah so so about three to four hours of my sunday is planning for the week and then um you know every night i spend 10 or 15 minutes 
putting a list together of things that I need to get done. So it's not really, for me, I think a lot of people just call it kind of a to-do list. For me, it's kind of the success list of like, all right, here's people I need to call. And then here's things that need to happen this week. And it, it, if you put a bunch of stuff on there, it's not going to happen. Like chunk it down and, and like, what's one thing that you can commit to every single day or every single week that's going to make a massive difference in your business. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs have these to-do lists that keep getting bigger and bigger. And, and I'm guilty of it as well, but they never really get around to it because there's so many things and, and, it, and it's overwhelming and they're not like really looking at their list and going, all right, which things do I want to do and which things, what are the, what's the 20% kind of the 80, 20 rule? What are, what's the 20% of these items that I could do and implement that would really move the business forward? So I think that's hard for people to decipher. Like I've got a list of 10 items, which one thing is going to give me the best bang for my buck? I absolutely agree. Putting some bound. I mean, I always say to, to everybody, if you go into the day like, oh, you know, I, I have my own home business, so I have the abundance of the whole day working on my business, you'll never do anything. Because, you know, you'll go on Facebook and, oh, I have my whole day ahead of me. Uh, and, and then you'll end up going down the rabbit hole and, and end up scrolling through Facebook for three hours. So the more you put boundaries on, on your day and then you have to think, okay, so I only have, I don't know, four hours or six hours or whatever you want to dedicate to your business. How can I use them for the best possible return on the investment of, of that time and energy and, and other resources? You'll be much more successful than uh, with the abundance of time, abundance of energy thinking. But, you know, I mean, think about it, like in school, nobody teaches you these fundamental business. I mean, really, our schools should have more business and finance in them. And that's a whole completely different topic. But my point to that is like one of the things that I learned to be really successful that I didn't learn in school. And there was probably some variation because I had to be at school at a certain time. But I've learned to time block. All right. I'm going to do this for 30 minutes and I'm, I know I'm not going to be done with it and I'm going to do it again tomorrow for 30 minutes. So like time block, you don't have to have your whole day like super, I used to have my day like just in, insane. Like it was so scheduled out. And so for me now it's like until noon, my day is super scheduled. It's blocked off, literally color coded in my calendar. Here's what I'm doing. My team knows not to bother me in the mornings because that's my, my, that's my time that I have the most amount of energy and I need to be doing my most dollar productive activities. And so I think, go read the book, The One Thing, um, the founder of Keller Williams International, uh, Gary Keller, uh, wrote it. And it's such an easy, dumbed down version of like the 80-20 rule. There's always one thing in each, each piece of your life, whether it's, you know, fitness and nutrition, or it's spiritual or religious, or it's business, or it's, you know, family, whatever it is, there's one thing that can make the most bang for the buck. Absolutely. He always kind of likens it. He's a guitar, He likes to play guitar. And so he said, I only have 20 minutes a day to play guitar. What's the most difficult thing to learn on the guitar? That's what I want to practice every day for 20 minutes, because if I can figure out the most difficult guitar, you know, guitar chord to play, then all the rest of them will be easy. Absolutely. Um, Josh, one question. So, you know, um, 
when you started your entrepreneurial journey, um, you didn't have, you know, like, um, you weren't full of business theory, uh, a doctoral degree in business development and so on. So when you jumped in, you know, there was a lot of the unknown and, and you know, you don't know what you don't know. And so what's your way? Because, uh, you know, you, you, you can either seek help, seek people who know what you don't know, or you can do a lot of trial and error and be mentally super strong so that you don't give up in the process. Uh, what was your preferred method? So for me, the, the two things that come to mind was, you know, I, let, I, I read lots of books and I still do. I listen to a lot of uh, audio and podcasts. And, um, you know, I think a big piece of it is just getting your mind right every day. But I think that the biggest things were reading books of other successful people, like, you know, on habits and grit and work ethic and not that I, not that I learned work ethic. I learned that from my parents and living on a farm and being in the military, but, you know, reading lots of books and also going, go reach out to the best person in your industry. It doesn't have to be in your hometown. It could be in your hometown or it could be a business leader that you just really like and respect. Go buy that guy coffee or that, you know, man or woman coffee, get in front of them, figure out how you can be around them. Um, I think it's completely true who you surround yourself with matters and you've got to, you got to go put yourself in a position to be the least successful person in your circle. Because, you know, whatever it is, you'll become more successful by being around more successful people. And so I went and shadowed a lot of people, um, other real estate teams, and also went and uh, just sat down and, you know, with other business owners, like, what are you seeing in the market? What, what are you doing? How do you create this culture? Um, just go seek out people. And if you can't do that, go read books on culture, leadership, marketing, whatever it is, go, whatever you're trying to do, go, go find those books. You've got to, you've got to be so, I mean, you know, when I told you earlier, I was working hundred plus hours a week, that was hundred plus hours between networking and finding, you know, meeting people and building my database and also in the business and also just going to be around other people. Like it was a full-time job to go find the best people. I want to know. Yeah. Like we're always trying to get, like we have good culture. I want to have insane, unbelievable, fun, awesome culture where everybody wants to work and show up and be awesome. And you can't just say, Hey, I want to create culture. That's awesome. It, that's not how culture is created. <laughs> yes, you have to be very, very intentional about it or very. it will be created by itself and you might not like what comes out of it. Correct. And leadership always starts at the top and uh, you need to lead with example and you need to be intentional about uh, what you want your company to be. You are the owner, you are the CEO and you need to lead and that's very, very important. I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, Josh, th th this was a very, very, very pleasant conversation. And um, I mean, you know, um, you were just speaking all of the same things that I keep repeating all the time. So uh, thank you for that. Uh, but w would you mind sharing with us a little bit about Josh? You know, like up to now, we were, you know, business uh, topics, uh, uh, dropping value.
but tell us a little bit about yourself, whatever you feel comfortable sharing with the audience. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm originally from Nashville. Um, you know, I, I, I've uh, been, I'm actually originally from Nashville, lived here until I was 10, moved away, uh, went to LSU, Louisiana State University, um, and moved back here about 16 years ago. And so I've been in the real estate business. Um, I love to travel, love, love going to Europe. That's, uh, we've had to cancel all of our, um, all of our trips this year. We've, we had Italy on the, on the trip. Uh, that's probably not going to happen at this point. So I love traveling. Um, you know, honestly, I love business and leadership. Like I'm a little bit of a junkie. Like I, I'm your probably typical entrepreneur that can never really turn it off but it's partly because I love it and I'm always trying to become a better version of myself and also trying to make my business. I'm always trying to one up our business to make it, you know, how do you top grade your yourself and how do you top grade your employees and how do you top grade your business to always reinvent it and make it better. Um, and so I know that's probably not a good answer of who I am, but that's no, what I, no, I, I no. business. Um, you know, I invest in, uh, I, I'm, I own several investment properties. Um, so I kind of like, I, I don't collect cars. I don't collect, I kind of collect houses uh, that make money. Um, so I do that and I like to work out and I have a, a wife and two boys and uh, that keeps me really busy. So. No, I mean, you know, every answer is a good answer. Uh, yeah. So like I always say, whatever you want to share with the audience. Well, yeah. Josh, my last question. What's the last golden nugget of wisdom? I mean, and it can be related to what we talk, general advice, Corona advice, whatever you feel, you know, is that last piece of advice you want to leave the audience with? I think the last piece of, of um, you, you just mentioned kind of what I just said and you responded with, well, that's what I all, like a lot of what you're saying is what I always tell people. I think the basics and the fundamentals are never going to go away. I think technology is in addition to and not in lieu of. Um, I don't think you can ever get away from, I think those things make us more efficient. Um, I don't think you can ever do anything to replace the basic fundamentals of business. And I think everybody that, that listens to this call has to learn in their business, what are those fundamentals and what can they stick to on a daily basis? Do those at a really high level. The biggest businesses in the world, the most successful people, have probably been doing the exact same thing day in and day out. It might shift over time, but they're basically, their schedule looks the same over and over. So, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well, Josh, it, like I said, it was a very big pleasure talking to you. Um, Thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it. I'd love to do thank, it again. Yeah, thank you for being my guest. And, and uh, I would love to have you back. And I feel this was more less like an interview. It was more, I don't know, almost like a conversation between two fellow entrepreneurs. And I like this kind of episode. So uh, I really enjoyed talking to you. And uh, yeah, um, thank you so much for being my guest. Um, and uh, I wish you all the best on your journey. I wish you uh, all the health and, and uh, staying safe for, for you, your family, your loved ones, your co-workers, and everybody in your circle. Absolutely. Same to you. I appreciate that. Stay safe.